From the front office to the hard-hitting action on the field, breaking down all the NFL's biggest headlines, week-by-week game previews to get you ready for each football Sunday. Every division, every conference, and all 32 teams. We've got you covered. This is the Gridiron on tap. Tap special Thursday edition of the show. You know me, I'm Danny, and you know him. And I'm Brandon. Yes, he is, and we are back. Uh, like I said, we got a special Thursday edition of the Gridiron on Tap. Uh, yesterday, a little bit of a hiatus. I'll take the blame for that. Actually, I guess we'll let's blame my wife because she's not going to listen anyway. It's our anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so you know, we had to, we had to take a little break from the show. Do and uh yeah we're back anyway um before we jump into football brandon um do you mind if we deviate a little bit uh, away from the nfl coverage for just a moment no not at all uh so yesterday in, in in case you're not following uh the story um the former world's number one doubles tennis player Peng Shui has gone missing, essentially, in China. Uh, November 2nd, she posted on her social media account, which is a Chinese-based platform, um, accusing a former Chinese vice premier of sexual assault. And within 30 minutes, her entire profile was deleted, and she was not heard from for about two weeks, which didn't sit well with a lot of folks, including Ennis Cantor of the NBA. So if you're already checking out saying, I don't care about tennis, that's great. Other players around other sports leagues do care as well. And this is a very big issue, and it goes much, much further beyond tennis. Uh, as as you all know, I do cover tennis as well as the NFL. So this, to me, does hit home a little harder than just uh, your average Joe who's listening. Um, she was found in pictures at restaurants just they looked very staged brandon i don't know if you've seen these photos but they looked very staged um in every in every photo that was posted of her since she has like this big cheesing grin i i don't know how many candid photos you've ever seen of yourself but i can guarantee you that 100% of them are not with you smiling right <laughs> yeah yeah there's something fishy there um Conveniently, the International Olympic Committee is the only outside source outside of the Chinese government that has been allowed access to talk to her, which I say conveniently. Why, Brandon? Oh, because the Winter Olympics in China are also right around the corner. Um, the IOC has been no stranger to lack of human rights <laughs> uh, wherewithal. Yeah putting it lightly, if you will. Um, but yesterday marked the biggest, 
I'm I'm on record on my Twitter page saying this is probably the biggest move ever in the history of sports where the w- WTA, the Women's Tennis Association, has pulled all of their events from China for at least 2022. Uh, they just signed a $1 billion contract with China and their sponsors last year, and they are foregoing all of that money until the Chinese authorities give a full transparent investigation to the allegations that Peng um, stated. And I'm really concerned as to why no other sports seem to have a backbone when it comes to comes to this, Brandon. Yeah, Daddy. I mean, I think that's what my take was um, when you had sent this information over to me. Obviously, I'm not as close to tennis as you are. and But what I said to you was, good for the WTA. When are some of these other sports leagues going to put money aside and, and take care of the big issues in their sports? And, you know, it, if it does take more of a niche sport, and as a fan of another niche sport – the NHL itself, I can, I can say that sometimes the biggest moves are made by the smallest leagues, but hopefully the bigger leagues take notice and start doing better by these players and and the people involved. I, I think the thing that the thing for me is that tennis is much like soccer. In America, Americans typically don't follow the sport religiously. It's not one of the big four, if you will, where you have your obviously your NFL, NBA, MLB, and NHL are your big four in the U.S., right? Here's a little known fact. Uh, tennis is the f- fifth most popular sport in the entire world. Wow. The NFL and American football is number nine. Wow. That's so crazy. That yeah, so to me that just shows like hey, this is you know, while while you may live in America, and I'm not saying you, I'm just, you know, using you as a pronoun. <laughs> while you may live in America and you may not follow the sport of tennis, you don't have to follow the sport of tennis to care about what's happening is where I'm going with this. Um Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I'd agree 100%. I think that um very much to your point, you know, Sometimes the bigger picture matters, and I don't think that we see that come through enough, whether it's the NFL or many of these other American leagues. And I I think for me, even if you look at a league like the NFL, Brandon, if you look at the NFL, they have no financial ties to China, at least that we know of, right? They don't. They don't. They don't have games in China. They do in London. They do in Mexico. But they, they and Germany upcoming. But they don't have any ties financially to China. So if you're at the NFL, you can get yourself a lot of kudos. And this is this would be a very selfish move because they could do it this way, where they could say, "Hey, we back the WTA fully." They're on a social justice campaign themselves. So why not partner with them? You're going to lose zero dollars. By partnering and saying, yeah, we stand against China. I would love to see a move like that. And one, because there is a potential 
capital investment in China in the future. I mean, they don't have anything per se, but that's a huge population, right? So mm -hmm. anything that they say could cost them money, which is why I love the move. Um, it's also why I don't think that they will make a move and, and, and make any statements like that, unfortunately, because, you know, e e although that they are on a campaign, uh, you know, for ethics and things like that, they just, the NFL just seems to kind of dip their toe in the water into some of these bigger topics and, and things that they focus on. And, you know, and I hope they prove me wrong. I, I hope they come out tomorrow and Roger Goodell makes a firm stand. I just, I don't see it happening based on the actions the NFL has taken on, on any major topics in the past. Yeah, it's very true. They try to, I don't want to say turn a blind eye, but they, uh, they, they kind of just creep in the dark or dip their toe in, like you said. And I get, from a business standpoint, I get it. You're, you're, you're kind of going on a suicide mission when you go against one of the largest countries in the world, right? Like, I, I totally understand that aspect of it. But my thought process is on this, Brandon. You sign a $1 billion contract with a country, China, and you value one player, one player's life, you value over $1 billion, and that's just the Women's Tennis Association. That's not That's not the Men's Tennis Association. That's not the W, or I'm sorry, the ATP Tour. That's the Men's Tour. They've, they have not released a statement yet. And I personally, I would be shocked if they do not back up the WTA and pull their events as well, because I feel like you're on a slippery slope. If you take half of a tour away, you know, if you're both men and women are supposed to be in China in all of September and the beginning of October, you're all supposed to be there. If half of you is missing and that's because you've pissed off the Chinese government, essentially, how much of harm's way are you putting the other half of people in at that point? This government has shown that they have no wherewithal. They do not care. They're going to do what they need to do to make sure that they protect whatever image they feel they have. And that's that's the scary output to me, is especially with uh, our, our Olympic athletes. Like how many of these people are going to go over there possibly be in harm's way now? Yeah, I mean, it's really, it really is a scary thing when, once it comes to the Olympics and um, sending athletes overseas and things like that, especially in, in governments and in countries that do not operate um, in the same lawful manner that we do or, or same, you know, governmental ruling fashion as we do. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I think that, you know, if everybody is sent over there, granted, I think with the spotlight being as bright as it will be, I think that everything will be fine. However, you know, it's 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 a completely different world over there and there will be some risk by sending athletes over there. There will be. Anyway, you guys tuned into the Gridiron on Tap. I needed to digress a little bit and get that off of my chest cuz I feel like that's what makes us different than all of the other podcasts that are out there. We like to dive into other topics, keep it football-centric, right, Brandon? But dive into other stuff. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, being well-rounded, and and if you look at it, we did touch up on how the NFL could get involved and actually make a statement, and and I believe that the NFL, as the most powerful league in America, although they're ninth in the world, here they could shed some light on something that is definitely a major issue. Mm-hmm. They really could. Um, major issues tonight in the NFL, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> the, the New Orleans Saints are basically tapping out before the game even starts tonight against the Dallas Cowboys on Thursday Night Football. What is going on with the New Orleans Saints, Brandon? Oh, man, they a rash of injuries. Obviously, star running back Alvin Kamara will not be playing tonight. <sighs> uh, Ryan Ramsick, who actually, interestingly enough, is fifth in the league in war. So position wins above replacement. Oof. He's fifth in the league, and and he's looking like he's not going to go. What's Jeez. worse than that? Well, Teron Armstead, their other tackle, is looking like he's not going to go either. So this Saints team is going to have – they had an uphill climb to begin with playing against Dallas with um, you know Taysom Hill uh, behind center. But now that you're missing your top two tackles, Alvin Kamara, and you have Taysom Hill under center, it's – it's going to be a tough go for for the Saints. Yeah, I mean, it's not like next week where they play the Jets. You're, you're playing the Cowboys. You're playing an NFC powerhouse this season. And, yeah, I know I know these Thursday games somewhat and sometimes they look different than a Sunday game. And some of the results show that, hey, on a short week, things can get a little crazy. This is not a short week for these teams, though. Because both of these teams played last Thursday as well. So this is a full week off. And I don't see any way. The Cowboys are favored by five and a half, uh, according to our friends at Caesar Sportsbook. And I don't see any way that the Cowboys lose this game, Brandon. Lose it? No. Um, the, the recipe for the Saints to keep this game close is getting uh, Dak Prescott under pressure. He's got only a 71 71- uh, passer rating when under pressure and the saints are going to make them one dimensional. So if the, the saints with their third ranked uh, rush defense are going to f- try to take the ball out of Zeke and Tony Pollard's hands, force Dak Prescott to to pass the ball, throw the ball around, which once again, I mean, the New Orleans saints do have a, a very good um, pass defense. So what they're going to try to do is they're going to try to have Dak Prescott lose the game for them. And Dak Prescott, when under pressure, has not looked impressive. So that's the only way. If they can execute that game plan, that's the only way that I see it close. And then, you know, obviously some trick plays with with Taysom Hill. I don't think they're going to run a conventional offense with him. So I, I think it'll be an interesting game to watch. Like, I don't think it's going to be a blowout um, or, or too one-sided. I think that the Saints will hang around, but I, I agree with you. I think that Dallas comes away um, getting back in their winning ways after this game. Yeah, I mean, you've got Marshawn Lattimore is also questionable, which is not good if you're if you're the Saints defense either. Um, Ty Montgomery is questionable, which is also not good, especially being that you're down now Alvin Kamara again. Um, Mark Ingram will be back tonight, most likely. Uh, he did log full practices, so I don't see why he would not start. But things are just not shaping up to be good for this for this for for this Saints team tonight. 
Uh, NFC South showdown. I don't know if it's even a showdown, Brandon. <laughs> the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are heading to Atlanta to take on the Falcons. Bucks are favored by 11 points over under set to 50 and a half. Yeah, but the Bucks, the Bucks all, all the way. Cordell Patterson might have a good game again um, just because he's the do it all back. But there's, to me, this is a clear. No chance that the Falcons upset the Buccaneers. Yeah. I mean, at, where I found a path for New Orleans to stay close, I, I don't have a path for Atlanta. I think Tampa Bay rolls here, even with Antonio Brown being doubtful um, and Mike Edwards being questionable. I, I think that they're still going to pull this out and it's not ne- going to be necessarily close. No, it's not. Um, another game that's probably not necessarily going to be closed, Brandon, is the Arizona Cardinals heading up to Chicago to take on the four and seven Bears. Um, seven and a half point spread for the Cardinals, uh, obviously as favorites in the game. This to me is another. Uh, this is another clear cut game in my eyes when I'm looking at it. I'd agree. And and I'd say that with even Kyler Murray saying that he hopes that he'll be ready to go, even if he does not go, I think Colt McCoy um, gets in there and and takes care of business. I, I don't see, once again, we talked about a path for Atlanta, uh, a path for New Orleans. I, I don't see a path for Chicago to win this game. No. Um, I think the big take-homes are is that Kyler logged limited practices so far this week, and DeAndre Hopkins should be back with no problem. I think that's pretty much all you need. I mean, the Cardinals have been doing fine without Kyler Murray and without DeAndre Hopkins, and that's, to me, that's the really scary part if you're a team that's going up against the Cardinals here in this latter half of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've still maintained their sixth-rank offense um, in terms of power rankings in the league with Colt McCoy under center the past few games. So it's just going to be too much for Chicago. Um, Fun fact for you. The Bears lead the all-time series against the Cardinals 59-28 and 6. Oh wow. It's a slaughtering, <laughs> Brandon. <laughs> Good lord. Um next up on the slate for Sunday, we have got the Los Angeles Chargers heading up to Cincinnati to take on the 7 and 4 Bengals. Bengals are favored by 3 at home over under is also set at 50 and a half, much like the Bucks and the Falcons were. I expect fireworks in this game, Brandon. I'd agree with you. I think this is going to be a fun game to watch. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if this game goes north of 50 points scored in terms of um, this is going to be an interesting game because you've got the Cincinnati Bengals that have come into this game playing the 32nd ranked strength of schedule, whereas the Chargers have played the fourth ranked strength of schedule. So these games, uh, even though the record you know, is six and five, seven and four, the records are close um, and the Bengals are favored, but you know, the Chargers have played much stiffer competition up to this point in the season. I agree with you. You know what's funny to me is when I look at the stats heading into this game, and the talk of the town has obviously been rookie Jamar Chase as far as like wide receivers are concerned this year. And I would be I would be remiss if I didn't say that I think Mike Williams has had more of a talking point season this this year than Keenan Allen, correct? Sure. Absolutely. Keenan Allen's got 81 receptions for 895 yards on the season. Talk about having a quiet and silent killer of a season if you're Keenan Allen. I guess he's just been overshadowed by the big plays that Mike Williams has been making. 
Yeah, I think that they've just got two different types of receivers there. You know, Keenan Allen is the run crisp routes, you know, catch 10, 15 balls a game type of guy, or at least 10 to 15 targets. And you know, turn that into quiet production. Whereas Mike Williams is your, you know, sprint down the field, leap over um, a cornerback or somebody in the secondary, bring the ball down in the end zone as you're, you're rolling and keeping two feet in bounds, you know? So I think that Mike Williams is the human highlight and Keenan Allen is just a, you know, consummate professional wide receiver. That is a very eloquent way of putting it, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, I read the dictionary between last show and not, and today. So I've got all kinds of new words to throw at you. I like it. As long as I don't have to Google them mid-show, I'm A-OK with that. Um, <laughs> Minnesota's heading down to Detroit to take on the uh, the not fully winless Detroit Lions at 0-10-1. Uh, the Vikings are favored by 7 However, both star running backs will probably be out for this game in Dalvin Cook for the Vikes and, of course, DeAndre Swift for the Detroit Lions. I think this is shaping up to be a great match for um, Alexander Madison filling in for Dalvin Cook. He's already filled in very well for him twice on this this season so far. And... I think the only big thing for the Detroit Lions, Brandon, is that they are the fifth-ranked team against the pass over the last three weeks. <laughs> and oh boy, have you ever heard of Have you heard of a guy named Justin Jefferson? Um, could you tell me a little bit about him so I could learn? Uh, yeah. So he is a he's what you would call a superstar wide receiver. He's over a thousand yards on the season already on on just sixty-seven catches. Think about that for a second. 67 catches, 1,027 yards. TJ Hawkinson leads the Lions, Brandon, with 57 receptions for 534 yards. Now, I know tight end, wide receiver. I totally understand that. But look at his yards compared to what we just talked about with Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's got almost 20 more receptions and less yards. (laughs) It's insane what he does after the ball or after the catch with the ball. It it really is. And, you know, you've got Adam Thielen across from him. And and Ad, I think everybody expected Adam Thielen to take a step back this season. And he's he's another guy who's having a quietly good season um, and better than expected by most, I would think. So, you know, um, th- this team, let, let's not act like Alexander Madison is a huge, huge step back from Dalvin Cook. Yes, Dalvin Cook is very good, but Alexander Madison, I would bet that on his next contract, he, he could be a 1A back on a team. I think that's a fair I think that's definitely a fair assessment to say. And I think that a team is probably going to inquire with Minnesota about getting Madison. And I also feel like if you're Minnesota, Brandon, you don't pull that trigger unless that offer is pretty loaded. It, it's got to be a good offer. Um, I, I think that they've done a good job of keeping Madison relatively fresh. They they kind of just use him when Dalvin Cook goes out, which is fairly often, um, as, as mentioned in the many countless um, social media debates that uh, you and I got into with that latest graphic of oh, yes. the 2017 running back class. But, you know, I, I just think that Minnesota – is one of we've talked about them before as being kind of a Jekyll and Hyde team, but I don't think that the Lions have enough firepower anywhere to force them into that 
you know, negative side of how they play. You look at, and you mentioned the, the passing defense. It's tough when you're facing, you know, to take that when and into real consideration when you're looking at Andy Dalton, an injured Baker Mayfield, who, man, those fans are having a field day with him right now. And then in addition to those two quarterbacks, a Ben Roethlisberger that's probably in his last season. So those are the last three three quarterbacks that they faced um, to to get those stats. So I hope you're right, and I hope that for the love of God, I hope that Lions fans can have something to hang their hat on. I just I don't know what that th- something is right now. Well, Brandon, let me be let me be the bearer of bad news here for us all as Lions fans, <laughs> sir. The Lions are currently on an eight-game losing streak (laughs) against the Minnesota Vikings. Um, The last time they beat the Minnesota Vikings, Brandon, was week four in 2017. They beat the Vikings 14-7 in Minnesota. Um, Yeah. Let's, let's, Let's run. We can run through some names here. Uh, Matthew Stafford, Amir Abdullah, Theo Riddick, Golden Tate, Marvin Jones, Darren Fells, and Eric Ebron were all on the stat sheet for the Detroit Lions <laughs> that game. Um, and the only person who – I guess there's two people. The only two players that were uh, that logged anything for the Minnesota Vikings that are still there are Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook. So while these two teams look vastly different – it's pretty much been the same story since 2017 as the Lions look to get off that eight game skid of, Oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not looking good ahead. Do you see a path for the Lions to actually beat the Vikings? So let's say that, let's say that the, the, the bad version of the Minnesota Vikings show up. Do you see a, do you see a pathway you are our local tour guide when it comes to pathways uh, of these <laughs> NFL games. So I would like to know, do you see a pathway for the Lions to actually win this game? I I don't. Um, and I think for a few reasons, Minnesota needs this game, uh, you know, to continue their playoff push. Um, oh, did you catch on the Monday game? This is a slight aside on our tour um, where they had the NFC playoff picture up and the playoff picture was a very very jumbled mess of teams and there was only one team missing from this graphic and that was our detroit lions yep (laughs) so much anymore (laughs) the quote was everybody has a chance in the nfc except for the lions (laughs) yay lions yep we are firmly on the clock for draft time, but I, I don't, I, I tried to see a path for, for our hometown lions to win this game. And if anything, um, the Minnesota Vikings are allowing the 30th or they're only 30th in the league when it comes to run defense, allowing 134 yards. But I don't know that Jamal Williams, I think he is a great compliment back I don't know that he's a put the team on my shoulder and carry you to victory type of back. They would have to dominate this time of possession, unlike anything we've seen this season so far, for them to have a chance, in my opinion. What, yeah. what do you think? 
No, I'm I'm totally with you on that. I don't I don't see a pathway. Um, if we get a really bad Minnesota Vikings team to show up in Detroit on Sunday, possibly. But I I, I think that the Lions are just missing. They're missing too much firepower with DeAndre Swift being out. Jamal Williams is a great running back. Don't get me wrong, but he's not DeAndre Swift. He's not as elusive as DeAndre Swift is. He's not as good catching passes out of the backfield as Swift is. So I honestly think that this is going to be another one of Jared Goff's force-feed TJ Hawkinson games to where he's got 13, 14 targets and like six catches. Yeah, I, I... I'd agree with that. In losing effort. Man, in losing <laughs> effort. Uh, <laughs> New York Giants are headed down to Miami. Four and seven Giants taking on the five and seven Miami Dolphins who are surging currently. Uh, the Dolphins are favored by four points heading into the game. Uh, I think if you're the Giants, I'm nervous, especially during due to the fact that Daniel Jones is not going to be playing with a strained neck of all things. Yeah, that's that's definitely not a good thing. And and Tua, even though once again he's another quarterback who's, you know, have caught the ire of fans um with his play, I think that he's been quietly consistent. I really do. I think that, you know, he's not producing top-tier stats and and maybe he's not, you know, the tank for Tua product that that we were hoping for but in a clean pocket he's got a hundred hundred 110.6 passer rating and he, he that's up there in terms of the league so if yeah. this if this team can block for him then i think that we're gonna see it you know Tua, who i believe do they get um Devontae parker back this week i believe that they do he logged limited practice, but I believe he was a game time decision. As as of the recording of this show, I believe he was a game time decision. Okay, so he should be back, but it's not one hundred percent certain yet. So, so we're looking at you know a potential good player coming back for them, and I, I, I'm with you. If I'm a Giants fan, I'm a little bit leery of this matchup, especially with your um, starting quarterback out. Yeah, I mean, if we touch on the the tank for Tua and the expectations and things of that nature, Brandon, what exactly are the expectations for Tua from the fans' outlook? So he's he's played 16 games. He started in 16 games. So he's basically gotten a, a full season under his belt as of last week. So we're looking at a guy who's completed this season – 70.5% of his passes. He has a touchdown ratio of 10 to 6. A QB rating of 94.7 on the entire season. So a QBR of 57.7, which QBRs are subjective. I know a lot of people don't like that as a stat. But this is a quarterback that's not losing you games. Arguably, he's not going out and 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 having these crazy game-winning comebacks. He has... What two comebacks and three game winning drives over his career thus far? But what exactly are you expecting? Are you expecting Tua to have come out of college and be a Dan Marino style quarterback where he's going to light up the league for five thousand yards? Or what exactly are, are you looking for to where you've already given up on Tua? You know, I I don't I don't know what the expectations are, especially in a year this year where 
weapons have been hard to come by. You know, Mike Kosicki has been, you know, one of his favorite targets. Obviously, rookie Jalen Waddell has caught fire as of late, but they have Will Fuller who, I mean, man, he's on a milk carton again this season. And then Devontae Parker, who they're just now getting back. He's been sporadically in and out of the lineup. And his entire career too. Absolutely. I, 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 so it's not like he's rich with weapons around him. You know, they just recently got Philip Lindsay to help with miles Gaskin. Miles Gaskin was just a plotter. And so I, I guess I don't know what the expectations were. You know, a quarterback is the most important position in sports. I, I will 100% agree with that analysis, but you got to take a step back. I mean, we saw Matthew Stafford in Detroit for how long? And, you know, he goes to the Rams and and, and everybody ooze and ahs over what he's able to do. Football's still a team sport. You know, there are 22 people just on defense and offense, and then there's a whole special teams unit as well that have a major impact on, on the game. And so I do think that it, it's unfair, some of the expectations for these guys coming out of college to just step into an NFL role on a – most likely a bad team if you're drafted high and then put the team on their shoulders and carry them to a winning record and playoffs within the first two years they get out. Yeah. Especially if you're coming into a situation where you're like a, a Patrick Mahomes type where you get placed into a team that's got Tyreek Hill and that has Travis Kelsey and you come in and you put up the numbers that Tua has. I understand, but with everything that you just laid out on the table for, for for the listeners, Brandon, that's that's a that's a tough ask to say. Have you given up on your quarterback already? When he's had no viable weapons even around him. I, I my my big thing heading into this game is looking at the Giants um, that are twenty sixth in the league on defense and stopping the run, and having a full week of practice under his belt with Philip Lindsay, who doubled his, he doubled the output that he was projected on, on a, on a day and a half of practice, which has to be pretty good. You've got to be feeling good about yourself. If you're the Miami dolphins, because plugging him in also allowed for miles Gaskin to rest. And miles Gaskin had a very good game last week as well. So that's my big take home for this is give Philip Lindsay in there, get him in there, run him hard, run him often through the tackles and then play Miles Gaskin on your change of pace on your change of pace downs, your third and longs, your third and third and what did Chris Myers say last week? Third and medium. <laughs> hey, we're going t-shirt size on these, but right. you know, on your third and long and third and manageable, plug in Miles Gaskin. If you got to throw the check down, you got to throw the check down. But I think that's the recipe for success for the remainder of the season if I'm the Miami Dolphins. I I can't say that any better. I think you said it perfectly. You know, we talked about Tua's 110 rating in a clean pocket. You get them thinking about the run game and, you know, trying to do everything you can to stop the run. You're going to take a bottom three pass rush that isn't going to typically do much anyways right off of the table and Tua should have a day to shine. I yep. I, I don't expect anything less from the Dolphins. Uh the five and seven Philadelphia Eagles are heading up to New York to take on the three and eight Jets. Eagles are favored by seven. This is a game that 
does not sound interesting on paper, especially given the way that the the Eagles played last week against the Giants, Brandon. I do not see a pathway for the Jets to win this game either. I don't. I, I, I'm right there with you. And, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe Jalen Hurts turns into bad Jalen Hurts, but I, I don't necessarily, I think the Eagles are going to come out and take care of business. Do you know that the, the Jets are minus 15 in takeaway differential. Ooh. Just uh, for, for comparison, the Eagles are minus one. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, fun fact for you, Brandon, this will be the 12th time these teams have matched up. The Eagles have never put a tally in the loss column against the New York Jets. Really? Ever. That's impressive. I would say so. I would definitely say so. Uh, the This could be a trap game. 6-6 six and six Indianapolis Colts heading down to Houston to take on the lowly 2-9 and nine Texans that are currently playing spoiler, much like Dan Campbell said the Detroit Lions are. Uh, the Colts are favored by 10. I'm not going to say that the Houston Texans are going to upset the Colts. However, I could see, and I would not be shocked if the Texans pulled one out just because they seem to have a shot in the arm ever since Tyrod Taylor came back off of injury. Yeah. So this is a tough one for me. And and the reason why is because I just think you're looking at a Houston team who's got the worst run defense in the entire league. And then you've got Jonathan Taylor who looks like he can't be tackled by the best run defense in the league. So, I, so I think 700 yards. Is that, is that where we're going with over <laughs> under 700? Right. How many times does he touch the ball? Um, and then multiply that by, by 50 yards a pop. But he, <laughs> I just, you know, I, I think that they're, they do look like they have a new life in Houston um, with Tyrod Taylor coming back. But even so, I, I just think that the Colts are going to be. Colts are going to be um, coming out with their hair on fire to take advantage of a matchup that they should not struggle with. I agree. I don't think they should struggle. Um, like I said, I just feel like the Texans have, have have been given a new life, so to speak, now that Tyrod is back. So I feel like this is a team that is harder to judge because the quarterback has improved drastically since Davis Mills has been replaced. And that's where that's where my take-home lies is Tyrod Taylor is a much better quarterback. He's a much better game manager and decision maker. And that ultimately could start being the difference for the Texans to possibly win some of these games. And to your point, I do not see the Colts losing this game because Jonathan Taylor may have a thousand yard season in one game. (laughs) (laughs) Although, you know, I mean, they do play the Patriots next week, so maybe they've got an eye ahead. And we've we've seen it happen before. You know, you take your eye off the ball, focusing on next week next week's appoint, opponent. Easy for me to say. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> um, the five and six playoff bound Washington football team. How does that sound? Wow. Heading out to Vegas. <laughs> they are going to. Uh, oh, here we go. How about this for a pun? They're going to roll the dice against the old Las Vegas Raiders <laughs> or a six and five. Uh, <laughs> the, Ra- 
Oh, I'll be here all week, guys. The Raiders are favored by two and a half. Uh, Over-under set a little lower at 49 and a half. If you're missing Darren Waller, your drop-off at tight end production is drastic if you're the Raiders. And the Washington football team seems to have gotten it going kind of all around. Antonio Gibson's looking better. Terry McLaurin's having some huge back-to-back games. The defense seems to be doing okay because let, let, let's be real here. They, the Monday night game against the Seahawks was not very good unless you watched the final two minutes. Which, <laughs> that was fantastic, was it not? <laughs> it, it was. And, you know, I think that speaking of drop off at tight end, I think that Washington getting Logan Thomas back was a big, big uh, boost to that offense. And, you know, Antonio Gibson looks like he's shot out of a cannon recently, to, to your point. So it this could be and should be a, a better game than if you just read over it and looked, you know, at the upcoming box score uh, would indicate. Yep. I uh I'm I'm definitely with you on that. I do feel like Washington is going to pull it out here. They're going to even up uh both teams at 6 and 6 after this game. You know, I I I think so we're back on the path, right? So I think that the Washington pass rush has looked better as of late and and Derek Carr's only got a 65.9 pass rating under pressure. So I do see, you know, a a, a fairly you know, easy path for Washington to pull this out. That being said, I do have Vegas in this matchup, but I'm I'm excited to watch this game. I'm not excited for this next game. <laughs> I know where you're going. <laughs> the Baltimore no, I'm kidding. The Jacksonville Jaguars are heading out to Los Angeles. Uh, against the Rams who are favored by 13 points. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Next, Rams. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Rams all the way. Um. What I will say here is I, I am surprised that Notre Dame named a head coach because I thought that Mr. Urban Meyer was on his way and looks Maybe like Jacksonville fans. What's that? Maybe he's gonna stick it out. You never know. <laughs> he he might he might be. I I don't I don't think he's long for the NFL, but. To your point, who knows? Maybe he turns something around. But yes, I've got I've got Rams in a route here. Um, possible game of the week. I think there's like four games this week that you you have to go out of your way to watch. Uh, the Ravens eight and three heading up to Pittsburgh. To say, I know the Steelers are only five and five this season, but AFC North matchups, especially late in the season, they're always good to watch, Brandon. Um, the Ravens are favored by four and a half. Over under is super low at 44. Who are you liking in this one? Um, I, Honestly, I think it's the Ravens in this one. I think the Ravens will win a close one. And if we're looking, if we're talking about a classic Big Ben, you know, or or prime Big Ben, this game's a lot closer. I just think that we're, we're seeing a shell of what he used to be and it won't be enough to beat the Baltimore Ravens this week. I mean, there's a, in, in the words of Brandon Gunn, there's a path. There's a path for, for Pittsburgh to win. You don't even have to get full blown 
vintage Ben Roethlisberger if you want to move the ball in passing. The Ravens are averaging 275 yards a game through the air on defense. That's a huge allowance. It is. It is. And honestly, I hope that the Steelers do more through the air, even if it's Deontay Johnson underneath or Pat Fryermuth, you know, in, in little tight end slants or, you know, whatever the case may be. What I think and what I'd really like to see them do this season for the remainder of it, because I don't think they're a playoff team, uh, honestly, but mm. if they're not going to make it to the playoffs, they've got to give Najee Harris some time off. He He is... He's not even looking like the explosive guy that came out of Alabama early in the season. And I think part of that is due to him, you know, now almost being a full college season into this NFL season here. And I think he's starting to feel the bumps and bruises of the rigorous, you know, NFL line and linebackers that keep hitting them. Are you expecting a Lamar Jackson game similar to what we saw last week? Or do you think he's going to be more shored up and back? Uh, to the Lamar Jackson that we expect? You know, I, I think he's still going to – I don't think he's going to be back to early season form Lamar Jackson. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh defense, say what you will about their performance this year. Maybe they're not as good and as stout as we thought they were going to be coming into the season. But I think that they can turn it up. Um, Micah Fitzpatrick returning to the lineup recently is, is a big boom for them. And so – I think what we're going to see out of Lamar Jackson is, you know, probably close to 70 yards rushing, um, you know, just maybe 225 yards passing. But I think he'll have a couple of turnovers. I think the Pittsburgh defense is confusing enough still to where they'll they'll force a couple of turnovers. What about you? Um, I still think that the I – th- I think the Ravens will win, and I do see Lamar playing smarter – I think that he's very hard on himself and he has too much respect for John Harbaugh to put together back-to-back games of just like boneheaded plays. Um, one thing that I do find very interesting is Lamar Jackson has 707 rushing yards on the season. Who do you think is in second place on the team and how many yards without looking because I know you've got PFF up? <laughs> I'm going to say, and I am probably going to be wrong here, but I think it's going to be Devontae Freeman and how many yards? Let's see. He's been, I'm going to say 354. Oh, you were 30 yards off. It is Devontae Freeman. He has 324 yards on the ground. (laughs) That's even less. I thought I was lowballing that number. (laughs) No, I mean, it's... Lamar Jackson is, just, and I think that's part, that can be possibly part of the issue is that he's just required to do it all. You know, eventually that takes a toll on you mentally, Brandon. Mentally and and physically, we've seen it in Josh Allen too. I mean, we've talked a lot about the Buffalo Bills recently, and you know these these do it all quarterbacks are great until they can't do it all. Right, and then it's done. <laughs> that's that's basically all you got right there. Um, the uh, six and five San Francisco 49ers are heading up to take on the I don't know what's happening Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> um, the 49ers are only favored by three, and I guess that has to do with partly in fact that Debo Samuel will will be out. But 
I mean, this is I, – I don't even think it's going to be a very close game. Seattle's defense is not playing – I mean, Seattle's defense is playing as we expected, right? We expected Seattle's defense to not be good, and they're living up to those expectations, Brandon. <laughs> but I will tell you, their offense – oh, my God, is playing terrible. So terrible that – did you see Pete Carroll said that Russell Wilson needs to do better? You know, I, I know Pete Carroll. He's the ultimate build me up guy, right? I I agree with him here. Yeah. It and I don't know if you and please tell me if if you have a different opinion here. But in the couple games that he's been back, Russell Wilson looks like he just doesn't want to be there. Yeah, that's that's my uh, that's a big take home for me is that he's. He is just completely checked out of this Seattle Seahawks team. And it makes you wonder, you know, is he is he getting towards the end or does he just need that fresh start? To your point, it's I I don't know. It's a it's a troubling sign if you're a Seattle Seahawks fan. Although the good news is is you know, the Seahawks saw what what the Detroit Lions got for Matthew Stafford last year. Yeah. You know they're going to up that price if if uh, they put Russell Wilson on the block. Yeah, and I've actually heard as of this morning, Adam Schefter saying that the Eagles could be a front runner to land Russell Wilson for next year, which I think is a terrible move because Jalen Hurts is still the number one fantasy quarterback in the league, and he still has less than 16 games under his belt. Well, we talked about it like just a couple of teams ago. You know, here here these teams are, and let's not act. Like the Philadelphia Eagles are long into this Jalen Hurts experiment. You know, they just let Carson Wentz go not too long ago, and he's still a young quarterback. And Indianapolis may have found their future quarterback in, in you know, the Philadelphia Eagles trash pile. Yeah. Well, and also, Brandon, let's not forget that the Philadelphia Eagles also selected a ride receiver by the name of Jalen Rager. One pick before the Minnesota Vikings selected a wide receiver by the name of Justin Jefferson. Oh. <sighs> That's, <laughs> you've got to be sick every time. Do you think that GMs look at the who went in the draft after the draft happens? No, honestly, I don't. I feel like it's just us fans, us fans and analysts. Oh. And I, honestly, I, that's what I strongly believe. <laughs> and, and I'd agree with you, unless you, you know, you are one of these GMs, like you know. I think of like the Detroit Red Wings in the 1989 draft where they got Lidstrom and you know all Sergey Fedorov and and Vladimir Konstantinov. Like, How'd that work maybe, out? Maybe you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're, we're covering all the sports today, but uh, you know if you have a draft like that where you draft three, well, two Hall of Famers and one who could have been, maybe maybe you frame the draft results from that one, but. I'm with you. Yeah, I'm definitely on the same page as that. Let me, let me run through some numbers here for you. So the Seahawks have won three games. They're three and eight on the season, right? Offensive passing yards per game, 26 in the league. Rushing yards per game, 25th. Defensive passing yards allowed, 31st. Rushing yards allowed. 23rd. The Detroit Lions have not won a single game this year. 
They're 29th in the league in passing yards per game, 20th in rushing yards per game, 16th in passing yards allowed, and 29th in 100 with 133 rushing yards allowed per game. Wow. Um yeah, they're they're playing quite a bit better than this team like the Seattle Seahawks. And and here's what this is where it befuddles me talking with Lions fans. As you know, we're starting to do more interactive stuff with our podcast and get more audio clips and things of that nature out, right, Brandon? Right. If if you want to fire Dan Campbell, if you're on that train that says, Oh my god, we're rebuilding forever, we're firing this guy too. Well, A, that's not how rebuilds work. But B, who's whose roster do you think has better talent, Brandon? The Seattle Seahawks or the Detroit Lions? Ooh, maybe uh it's Seattle by a landslide. Okay. <laughs> correct. If you needed that validation, you are correct, sir. <laughs> If you look at the Seattle Seahawks roster and then you listen to the rankings I just rattled off and you look at the Lions roster and listen to those rankings, that doesn't add up. That tells you that it's a lack of talent. It's not coaching because when you're moving up just between, you know, between the bottom of the barrel and top 22 or so, that's all coaching related. That's right. Your player plus coaching prowess that's what gets you in the top 10 if you're sitting and you're just making bottom of the barrel moves because let's face it that's where the lions are as well as the seahawks when you're making these small minor moves up and down the rankings of certain areas that are at the bottom of the league that is coaching that is not players because players get results based on coaching players not misfits because that's what the lions roster is they are a bunch of misfits and i don't mean that disrespectfully i i actually embrace the fact that the lions don't look as bad as an o and 10 and one team should yeah i mean the lions roster is something completely different you know you you obviously had patricia you know come in and he wanted to run a certain system that you know, for, he tried to recreate New England's defensive scheme, and it's a very unique scheme that still uses, you know, linebackers that maybe are more north and south and not necessarily sideline to sideline and, and things like that. So you have a guy implementing a very specific defense, and then he gets fired, and you've got all of these parts and pieces from this defense that nobody else runs. And so, yeah, that, that that led us to the Island of the Misfit Toys, also known as the Detroit Lions. Yay, Lions! But I, you know, I'm like I said, for me personally, I I enjoy seeing what I've been seeing for the most part from these Detroit Lions. And then when you add it up against a team that's got Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs. Wait, the Lions had Quandre Diggs at one point. But they've got all of these fantastic players on the team, and yet they're ranked worse in all four aspects than the Detroit Lions are. Like you said, that just shows a 
a disconnect between coaching staff and players, especially when you have players that are named, you know, Tyler Lockett, mm. DK Metcalf, mm-hmm. Russell Wilson. You know, the these are some good players. Yes, I know that their starting running back, Chris Carson, has been gone with a neck injury, so you'd expect a drop off there. However, the the aforementioned offensive players that we had just talked about, they should be able to pick up the slack and you can tell that there's something going on there because Russell Wilson just looks like he's checked out. Sierra does not want him. I've heard rumors that DK Metcalf <laughs> is sliding in her DMs. <laughs> <laughs> I can not, neither confirm nor deny, nor do I honestly care too much. Um, I know that you're going to be tuned into this uh, Sunday night football game with both eyes completely glued to the television as the Denver Broncos take their six and five record on the road to your favorite team, the seven and four Kansas city chiefs who are favored by nine and a half on the Sunday <laughs> night slate. How excited are you for this game that the chiefs are once again on Sunday night football? You know, a- actually I know that I do, you know, probably appear to be a, a chiefs hater. And I think that part of that was um, just because of the frustration that we, you and I had spoke about, you know, Patrick Mahomes can do no wrong. These Chiefs team, you know, this Chiefs team is going to be all well and good or was playing fine and, and maybe they were just hitting some bad luck. They've turned it around. Yes. And much of that, I don't know that I've ever seen a defense and an offense turn around, some, you know, both turn around at the same time. I mean, like the, how they have their their power rank on defense has gone all the way up to number eleven after being number thirty two earlier in the year, and their offense that looked like it was falling apart, and that you know maybe they had to make some moves next year to try to either change the offense or maybe it was figured out. They're all the way back up to the seventh ranked offense in, in the power rankings here, and. Patrick Mahomes looks like Patrick Mahomes. Kelsey looks like Kelsey. You know, everybody's doing their thing now. And they got Clyde Edwards-Alaire back, which it looks like they are going to be using him more. So, you know, I I think that it's tough to say anything bad about the Chiefs right now. And, you know, the Chiefs are a fun team to watch. You know, I, I do think that they get away from basics sometimes, which is frustrating, especially when the basics are working for them. But... You know, it, it's tough to say that they aren't a, a fun team to watch when they're playing good football. And and I do root for Andy Reid. So yeah. um, I, I think that the Chiefs take care of the Broncos um, in this game. I think they win by a touchdown or so. And I think it'll be a good Sunday night game, though. You know what I find really remarkable is that Clyde Edwards-Alaire has only played in six games this season, and he's still the team's leading rusher. Yeah. Uh, well, and I think that lends itself to what you and I had, had talked about. You know, sometimes a lot of the struggles that Kansas City had was on the shoulders of Patrick Mahomes. And I think that it's a very dangerous situation when you continue to push the envelope, you know, and just push all of your eggs into that basket. If he's not playing well, get the run game more involved. And 
you know, to your point, I, I think that they're going to find some more balance in, in their attack, and and I think it's going to ultimately be good for the team. I can't wait for the Monday night game, though. I don't know about you. It's eight and four New England Patriots heading to Buffalo. I'm sure down, or maybe laterally to Buffalo. But they're going to take on the seven and four Bills, Brandon. <laughs> Bills are favored by two and a half at home. Patriots are on a six-game winning streak right now, and. Man, the Patriots are cranking on all cylinders. The Buffalo Bills appear to possibly be regressing just just a, just a hair. But I'm expecting this game to be fantastic. Uh, Over-under is extremely low. I think it's lowest of the week, set to 43.5 points. Who are you liking in this game, Brandon? Who? You know, I the talent, I like Buffalo. The coaching, I like New England. And... If if Bill Belichick is able to take away Josh Allen, you know the the, the old adage of taking away your your biggest player, then they're going to win this game because I think that Buffalo relies and puts so much of their offense on Josh Allen's shoulders. I don't know if you can do that though. I, I think that Josh Allen will be able to fight through that, and you know. The Patriots have been on fire recently. Yes. I don't know if they can continue it. So I, I've got the bills in this one, but I would love to hear what you have to say about this one, Danny. I'm on the i I'm I'm pretty much on the same side of the fence as you are. I I think the talent is is head and shoulders above the New England Patriots. That being said, I think the coaching is head and shoulders above for the New England Patriots. And and that's that is not speaking negatively about Sean McDermott. That is just, dude, you're going against probably the GOAT when it comes to coaching. <laughs> you're going against Bill Belichick. And whatever he has done has completely reignited this entire Patriots team, and they have gone on an absolute tear. I do feel that this is more of a must-win game for the Buffalo Bills than it is the New England Patriots. So in the event that this is not that close of a game, I think the talent outweighs the coaching. But if we're talking about it's coming down to the fourth quarter and you know we're, we're within a touchdown or a field goal of each other, I think Bill Belichick is going to get the win. Um, I don't think that it's going to be a – I don't think it's going to be as close as as it is with a two-and-a-half point spread, but I'm leaning more towards the Buffalo Bills because it, it is at home, and they've got to play with more urgency than the, than the New England Patriots currently are playing with. I'd agree with you. I think you broke that down very well. Um, so let me – Mac Jones has played out of his mind in his rookie season. And let me read you the comparables between Mac Jones and Josh Allen from a passing perspective. Passer rating when clean. Mac Jones, 101.9. Josh Allen, 104.8. Passer rating under pressure. 81.8 for Mac Jones. 85.6 for Josh Allen. Big time throw percentage. 4% 4% for Mac Jones, 5.3% for Josh Allen. These, I mean, 
is Mac Jones not having himself a great rookie season? He really is. And with who? Kendrick Bourne? Jacoby Myers? Damian Harris? Like, yeah. He's having a great rookie season with whomever (laughs) because it's – it, it, they're not playing with superstars. They're not playing with household names. Hell, Mac Jones isn't even a household name yet unless you're an Alabama fan. Right, right. And, and granted, he does not have the rushing upside that Josh Allen does. But just from a perspective of in-the-pocket passer, I mean, this is a guy that Bill Belichick is currently working with, obviously, but that I think he's proven to be a guy that Bill Belichick will be able to mold into what he wants to be. Yes. Here's here's the big take home for for this game is that the Bills have lost two at home and the Patriots are undefeated on the road. Oh wow. Patriots are 5 and 0 on the road. They're 3 and 4 at home. So contrary to what I said where I think that the Buffalo Bills will win possibly because of the having the home crowd as the factor. Bill Belichick don't care. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at He's all. He's saying, I'll take your home crowd and I'll shut them right up. It's just, it, it's such a close, it's such a close matchup. I think the only glaring issue for the Buffalo Bills is their inability to run the ball when that is the one blemish on the New England Patriots defense is that they're 20th in the league allowing 115 yards per game rushing. So can I give you another Please. matchup that I think is going to be interesting? So I know that the Buffalo Bills have a good run defense. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 they've had a good run defense all season. However, they were in the top three. And then we saw what Jonathan Taylor did to them a couple of weeks ago. Now, the Patriots have a top five run blocking unit. Can the descending run defense of Buffalo falter against a superior pass blocking unit and give the Patriots the edge that they need to pull out this game? Possibly. I mean, you also have to remember the Bills are missing Tredavious White now. And Ramondre Stevenson, doesn't he remind you a little bit of Marshawn Lynch? Yes. And not just because of the hair. (laughs) <laughs> Not at all. I, I think he just runs with an anger that few people have run with, and I, man, it might be it might be a Ramondre Stevenson game where you just say, "Get angry, run forward." Yeah, I, I I think the only the only I don't. It's not even an issue, but Damian Harris is still leading the charge. He started. He started all 11 games that he's played in. Ramondre Stevenson has started one out of the eight games that he's played in. Um, Damian Harris had 154 carries to Ramondre Stevenson's 76. And Damian Harris, and, and I think it's just the explosiveness that we've been seeing from Stevenson, especially over these last couple of games, that is really putting Damian Harrison, or Damian Harris, sorry, on the back burner. He's got 643 yards. He's nearly doubled the amount of yards that Ramondre Stevenson has. And he's got eight touchdowns to Stevenson's three. Yeah. 
That, absolutely. So Damian Harris is still a very good runner in his own right. I just wonder if this is a game where we see pass attempts for Mac Jones really down significantly. And even with all of those great passer rating numbers that we talked about, if New England can get out to a lead and just pulverize the Buffalo Bills um, defensive line and linebackers, because you got to remember, they play again in two weeks. Yep. So, you know, they, I could see Bill Belichick coming out with an approach this game where it's just run down their throat, exploit a minor weakness in the Buffalo Bills defense, and then come out two weeks from now and run the first five plays play action with Mac Jones. So let me ask you this. Ahead of the second showdown between these two, do you think either team will sweep this season or do you think they will split? You know, I I think that Buffalo's going to win this game in a close game. Um, And then I think that Bill Belichick will, like I said, I think he's going to come out with two completely different game plans. Unless running it down their throat, unless what we saw out of Jonathan Taylor is representative of what this Buffalo Bills run defense has become later in the season with injuries. I think that it would not surprise me at all to watch Bill Belichick come out with, you know, smash mouth football this week and then play action, you know, Kendrick Bourne over the top next, you know, in two weeks from now, and then leading to a Patriots victory because the Patriots have a good defense in their own right. And I think that playing Bill Belichick this close together in two games, I I think you can be out coached in a hurry. You definitely can. You know what we got to do in a hurry, Brandon? We got to wrap this bad boy up. Special Thursday edition. I'm going to say that like 37 times on this episode because it is special (laughs) and it is Thursday. But that's going to do it for us this week on the Gridiron on Tap. I am Danny. And I am Brandon. We'll catch you then. (laughs) 